0: You're listening to. Whoa! Hot luck!
1: Welcome back to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue.
2: And I'm Rirayu, Yu.
1: And we are here to discuss our October book club pick, Dear America, by Jose Antonio Vargas. And to help us um, discuss this book, uh, it's our first ever crossover edition of Books and Boba. I'm super excited to welcome Elaine Dolales.
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of the hosts of This Filipino American Life, Two Books and Boba, to help us discuss this book. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. We, um, well, it's funny because we talked about this crossover over Twitter about a month or two ago uh, while we were in the same meeting for a comedy comedy festival uh, planning (laughs) across from each other. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, because October is also Filipino-American History Month, so we decided to, um, you know, pick a a theme-appropriate book for our (laughs) book club, um, and one that you— um, we're also discussing on your show as well. and You ha- actually have the interview with um, the author himself.
0: Yes, we have a bonus episode with Antonio, Jose Antonio Vargas, where we talked about his journey um, as a journalist and like we talk about the book. Uh, we don't go into many details, but it was like a really <laughs> lively conversation. And you can get that at this filipinoamericanlife.com.
1: Yeah, for our listeners, can you talk a little bit more about what your podcast is about?
0: Yeah, so This Filipino American Life is a podcast that explores the nuanced experiences of Filipinos in the United States. That's awesome. literally our tech.
1: <laughs> and you can find it wherever podcasts are found. You know the drill. Apple, Google, Spotify. Stitcher. Stitcher. All
2: of those things.
1: Yeah. Um, so without further ado, let's, let's get into it.
2: Right, right. We go, we're going to start with the jacket description, as always. Uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Jose Antonio Vargas, called the most famous undocumented immigrant in America, tackles one of the defining issues of our time in this explosive and deeply personal call to arms. And this is the beginning of the prologue. I'm going to quote it. This is not a book about the politics of immigration. This book, at its core, is not about immigration at all. This book is about homelessness, not in a traditional sense, but in this unsettled, unmoored psychological state that undocumented immigrants like myself find ourselves in. This book is about lying and being forced to lie to get by, about passing as an American and as a contributing as a contributing citizen, about families, keeping them together, and having to make new ones when you can't. This book is about constantly hiding from the government and in the process, hiding from ourselves, this book is about what it means to not have a home. Yeah, that is one way to start a book. It's <laughs> the f- first page of that book, by the way.
1: <laughs> um, so as with any nonfiction book, I guess um, we should start with just our overall impressions of the story, the narrative.
2: I guess, like our ex- expectations uh, going into the book, and maybe like what we came out with like like what um what we learned i guess overall
1: yeah i guess um, how familiar were you with um jose before reading the book
2: um i remember like back in like 2014 i think he did like coverage on um a bunch of undocumented immigrants including himself and i remember reading that um i don't remember the specific details but um i had I had just gotten out of college at that point, so, um, yeah, like, I knew him from that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I didn't know he was a filmmaker either, so, uh, that was pretty interesting to...
1: Yeah, how about you, you, Elaine? Um...
0: His he came to light because of the Time cover story. Um, I had always just been following his just as a journalist because his byline and whatnot, and so. Um, but the cover story is really what got him out there in the forefront, and then since then it's just been like following his career. And um, when we started the podcast, I think he was one of those bucket list guests. So mm-hmm. when we were able to get him, that was pretty awesome.
1: Nice, yeah. I think I started noticing, or he he came. Into my like orbit, about when I started getting involved with collaboration back in the like the mid especially the run up to the presidential election, mm-hmm. um, where you know immigration and things like that were 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 big topics, and he was speaking at a lot of events. And he actually spoke at an event that I helped produce. Um, it uh, it was a get out the vote type of uh, variety show called I Am Asian American that I did with um along with Jeff Yang. Where he uh, he was one of our our speakers.
2: You want to know something funny? Um so I read this book during Politicon because <laughs> I, I was there uh, for work. Uh, we were selling books, and uh, oh my god, it was it was traumatizing. There was so <laughs> there was there were like a sea of MAGA hats. Of and, course, gross. And, and like during my breaks, I would read this book in plain sight. It's a bright yellow book. <laughs> yeah, So yeah. Like I I would see like judging eyes as I'm like reading it in front of like all these. Um, Trump supporters and um, yeah, like we 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 had like authors signing like a couple of feet away from us. So there was like Ann Coulter and like Ben Shapiro, oh, wow. and it was just like, oh my god, this is the
0: worst. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, it's the worst and it's the best too, right? Yeah. Like. Um, he talks about he, in our episode. He talked about how like he chose the color yellow because um, there's like definite like references to the fact that like yellow in the Philippines with the Makauria like, you Kino like the Laban movement and also yellow because he's Asian. Like it 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 ties it all together, and I love that it is loud <laughs> that everybody yeah, yeah. can
2: see it. Like there was a stage right by, um, like right by our booth, and uh, most of it was like. Democratic talk, but Mm -hmm. of course there were hecklers, because it was mostly Trump supporters there. And at some point, uh, they had a Republican uh, talk, and it was just, I had to listen for 30 minutes about, like, these angry white men just being like, undocumented immigrants are, like, a drain on the economy, like, we need to, like, make sure that they stay behind the border, and I was just like, oh my god, like, I...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, something that Jose um, talks about a lot is the reality versus the perception of the illegal immigrant, right? And something he brought up really early on is like, there weren't such things as illegal immigrants until maybe like this past century. It wasn't until the, the naturalization um, reforms that illegal immigrants became a thing. Like, people were. D- People just used to be undocumented, migrant workers, and the borders used to just be open.
0: Well, I think, like, racism and institutional racism is what brought (laughs) upon the like use of the term illegal immigrant because it was a way to, like, change the narrative. Yeah. Because I feel like that rise in that phrase happened in, like, the 90s, especially in California with, like, Prop 187 and just racist policies that were put in place. And so – I feel like the Republican like playbook is now just to play upon a lot of those 90s fears but then just amplified with like Hollywood <laughs> shine because of like Steve Bannon's like history in the industry. It's really disgusting.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean the they play upon the tropes that like illegal immigrants are Job stealers, they're criminals, they're like, they're the people, they're like the undesirables from other countries that come and take your jobs. Where in reality, a lot of them are, you know, people that if you see them off the street, you wouldn't suspect them to be here illegally.
0: Yeah, like the stereotype is like a Latino immigrant as opposed to like the fact that Latino immigrants are actually... Low, they're, they've been decreasing over the years, yeah. but it doesn't like fulfill the like right wing narrative. Um, but Asian American undocumented numbers are increasing and including like um, black African undocumented um, residents is on the rise. And like that story is, it doesn't fit in the proper narrative, it doesn't fit in the proper box. And I do think that Dear America highlights the stories that don't fit. The box, right?
1: I want to talk about your personal understanding of um, undocumented immigrants um, before reading the book. Like, did you learn a lot through the book, or was it stuff you already knew?
0: Um, well, my experience before reading the book is that um, Jose talks about mixed families, and I come from a mixed family, so I've had um, I've had family members who were undocumented, and then other do- family members who are citizens. Um, so that was. The term mixed family, I hadn't heard that applied to, like that mixed status. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I learned from there. Um, and then the story that he shares where he was 16 and he goes to the DMV to – and he brings his green card or what he thinks is his green card to the DMV to get a driver's license. Mm-hmm. Um, I That wasn't my story, but when I was in college, my best friend, um, we went to – The Costa Mesa DMV, it was just as the law had passed where if you were undocumented, you couldn't get a driver's license anymore. Mm -hmm. But there were still DMVs that were like on the fence and were still issuing a driver's license. So I drove my best friend to the Costa Mesa DMV and we went to see if he can get a driver's license. And it was... The story that Jose tells about how, like, the DMV worker tells him, like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. This is fake. Please don't come back here. And then, like, sets him all in his way as a 16-year-old. I literally witnessed the same thing with my best friend where the person behind the counter, at the DMV, said, I'm sorry. I, there is nothing I can do. I cannot issue you a driver's license or a California ID. And she, like, just pushed us, put us along our merry way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um... It's just interesting that like, as like much of a dumpster fire the world is, there is always going to be like kind people who are willing to help and treat you like a human being. Um, And that's what is in Dear America so frequently is that he highlights how all these people help him. And then in my experience, I, I witnessed it and like, that DMV worker in Orange County could have been like, you know, F you. Like, I'm going to call ICE or INS or whatever it was called at the time to, like, take my friend away. But she didn't. She was just like, you need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I just remember, like the distraughtness that he writes about in the book. I remember feeling the same way, and like my best friend um, is gay, like Jose Antonio Vargas is, and I remember telling him, "Okay, do you want to get married?" Like the moment, the mm-hmm. the moment we left the DMV, and he was like no it's not gonna happen. like i love you but no and i'm like it's okay like because i was with my husband boyfriend at the time and he was like he won't mind <laughs> he wouldn't even care and um, my best friend was like no we're not doing this we'll figure something else out
2: um I come from an immigrant family um i 'm an immigrant. I immigrated to the states when I was three, and uh, we immigrated because my dad's company asked him to set up a branch here in in America, multiple branches and um my and i didn't become a citizen until I was like twenty um, but my family was always like like. <sighs> I wouldn't say conservative but but they had this idea of like oh like we came here legally all of the uh mm-hmm. immigrants who came here without papers like they're giving us a bad look and mm-hmm. it's their fault that like a lot of people see us as suspicious and and us as like taking away jobs which is not the case and um and like they would say these things and it and like I thought that all of my friends all of the people that i went to church with like they were all like you know they were all legally uh they all legally came <laughs> here because it's a korean church and like mm-hmm. almost everyone is an immigrant or like second generation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then once i got into high school i started noticing things like oh like she doesn't drive like at all okay. like she should be able to get her uh, driver's license mm-hmm. or um how like like parents are always like so they're they're pressuring their kids to reach this academic excellence but but like the Mm -hmm. parents are like oh you can't apply for uh the ivy league schools you have to stay in state you have to uh try saving money by going to a community college
1: i mean and like i would see
2: these subtle uh subtle
0: things did they know that because like because there was a law that passed that even if you were undocumented, if you could prove you went to high school in California, you would get in-state tuition. Did they well, know? Well, this that? was in
2: this was in Georgia. Oh, this so, was in Georgia. It's, <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Oh, it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> Never. Mind. Yeah. yeah. So, like, so that was really interesting because a lot of uh, a lot of those people. Um, a lot of them a lot of the younger teens, they didn't know that they were undocumented until yeah. they're like seventeen, eighteen and like Jose was yeah, in the book. Yeah, yeah. and they're like planning to go to college and it's just like, I'm sorry, like we can't send you to like these really expensive private colleges, even though you totally deserve to go, but you can't. Yeah. So like I, I th- think I think reading this book has really opened my eyes on like how they would get a driver's license. Yeah. What they have to do to like keep their head down and just like the constant anxiety of, uh, of like just making sure no one knows and
1: and I feel like figuring that out like at that stage in life is a pretty common you know story. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing they could have done to avoid it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that like people don't realize is like undocumented immigrants still pay into the system. Like they pay social security for mm-hmm. work, they pay t- taxes, and like. They pay everything that you pay without they don't get any they don't of the get benefit. anything to yeah. yeah, something that really um hit me when reading about Jose finding out about his situation is you know in confronting his grandparents there's this like disconnect between what our parents and grandparents' generation like think, think American American about is. the American dream versus mm-hmm. what the reality is, and they're always surprised it doesn't work out, right, yeah, because there's this great sales pitch that America does. To like wherever wherever it goes, that we're the land of freedom. We're the land of freedom. It's where anyone can, you know, anyone can come and make a life for themselves.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like they blindly bought into the American dream, yeah. and then the, it's kind of like I feel like it's a subject to like baby boomers or something because it's like they all buy into this. I can pick you myself up by my bootstraps mentality, and then it's like they fail, like they're old. Like my parents are old and they are retired and they've got a nice nest egg that they were able to work towards because they worked for 30 years in an America that still had a prosperous economy. (laughs) But like. They fail to realize like the America we have is like the America that happened in the late 60s, early 70s, where things were going haywire. Yeah. And
1: like America exports culture, right? And there's, there's a line that Jose says it's, it's a common line I've heard a lot of places, especially when you talk about um, anti colonialism, which is like, we are here because you were there, right? The only reason we're a nation of immigrants is because you went out mm-hmm. and like spread throughout the world. And like, gave the sales pitch that America was a certain way.
2: Also, affected our economies in our home countries (laughs) Mm -hmm. and leading us to seek better opportunities in Mm -hmm. America.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm here because, like, thinking about it, like, I'm also an immigrant, even though I was born in Canada and I grew up in America, but I'm like an immigrant because I came from Canada, right? I'm not from here. (laughs) I mean, even my family, we were able to come to America because my aunt came here for school. In the '60s, mm-hmm. um, and was able to get a green card because of her. Because it was back when they were handing out permanent residencies to um, highly skilled immigrants, mm-hmm. right? They want they needed. Yeah. They needed scientists. It was during, they like, needed the '60s yeah, brain drain. They needed doctors, nurses, yeah. scientists, um, skilled people. I think my, my aunt was a nutritionist. I guess they needed nutritionists. Yeah. Um, and she was able to apply for everyone in my family. Um, So we were able to, like, if the option came about uh, or if the opportunity arose, move to America, have permanent residency.
2: But even then, it's uh, it's about privilege. Right. Mm -hmm. Like with my family, we were able to immigrate here because my dad happened to uh, graduate from like a really good school. It was able to work for a really good company. And so, like, the whole, like, oh, we earned our citizenship. (laughs) It's just, like, we didn't earn anything. Like, it was handed to us on a silver platter because of our family and because of our station. There were Mm -hmm. people who immigrated here with nothing. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do they have to do to earn their citizenship?
1: Right.
0: Yeah. um, My family's history is um, my Two I have two relatives, my aunt and my uncle, who came over in the '60s brain drain, so my one uncle is an engineer and was recruited by like Boeing and he was in Seattle and then my aunt is a nurse, and she was recruited because obviously she 's a nurse <laughs> um, and she was placed in a hospital in Nashville in Tennessee. and so that 's where they first started. but um, my uncle got laid off and he moved to California because there was aerospace in California. And then my aunt said that it was too cold in Nashville because it snowed and she had to like drive in snow and she really did not like it. Mm. So she moved to California because, you know, it's sunny there. And those two, those choices are the only reason why my family is in Los Angeles, specifically the San Fernando Valley, because that is where, (laughs) that's where they settled. Um, But had my aunt made the choice to like, instead of going to West, like to L.A., had she gone to New Jersey, I would have like grown up in New Jersey because or that's... Florida.
1: He dodged the bullet there.
0: No, I doubt it because no one would <laughs> go to Florida. No, no, no one in my family is in the Navy, so that's the yeah. other thing. Like, I'm not like I I don't have that Filipino American narrative in my life. <laughs> um, my husband does. Like, he's his dad was in the Navy, and it's the only reason why they're in Oxnard. Mm. But they wouldn't have chose Florida. My hand would have been like, screw that. Um, so that's what. (laughs) went to california
2: um i like how um so the not not the novel sorry uh the book is divided into three parts lying passing hiding and um i thought it was really interesting that when jose lands um in america like his grandparents are like trying to americanize him Mm -hmm. by like giving him american food and sugar ice cream and it's like this is what it means to be american to them it means Mm -hmm eating, wearing American products and just assimilating. Yeah. And that is very different from what we consider to be American. I I think as well, like I also one point five and second generation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also think there was a certain time when um especially where it depends on where you were, where like immigrating to the States meant assimilation. Whereas like I grew up in, in Enclave, I grew up in the San Diego Valley. So Growing up, I didn't have the pressure to assimilate to American, quote-unquote, culture. It was like, I was just like, I can just speak Chinese and be okay here, (laughs) you know? Um, But I think there's definitely an Asian-American narrative. um, And this is especially if you end up living in areas where Asians were the minority, where you not only have external pressure to, like, to assimilate and fit in, but you also have parental pressure to, like, in order for you to fully take advantage of your Americanness, you need to be as American as possible. Yeah. And I think there's also, um correct me if I'm wrong, and Jose does go into this too. The effects of Western colonialism on Filipino culture meant that like the Western Western culture is valued above like ethnic,
0: Yeah, I mean right? and that's yeah. like historically what has happened just because um, the experience of immigrants in this country for, like, hundreds of years has not been necessarily <laughs> the most positive. Um, and, like, in Jose's situation, I mean, I have no idea if his grandparents knew, like, the positively no Filipinos allowed, like, Stockton, um, like, signage and, like, the the issues that have happened in California. But it you don't need to know that to know that – in order to survive you need to pass or you need to hide and mm-hmm. so i think that's a common story for so many immigrants in this country and specifically for Jose like he came in i think his situation is different from mine in that his family wanted him to assimilate because he would they knew he was not supposed to be here mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. by assimilating means you blend in and then no one will question why you're here um, as opposed to like my experience in uh, – I grew up in the San Fernando Valley and I grew up in a, um, I grew up in a predominantly Filipino church. And so I've always been like majority – in the majority, whether or not it be with like other people of color or whatnot. And so I didn't – my, my reference point of like – um like questioning my identity i didn't really get that until like i had to like leave the valley <laughs> um like like you like you were able to like live because you can just speak Chinese and like for me like the shorthand was like I knew I was the norm because I was the norm right like mm-hmm. my whole school was either Filipino Mexican or El Salvadorian so like if you if you were white you were the one that we were <laughs> like why are you here <laughs> like and if you were black I don't know how you got there because also why are you there <laughs> um, that was just like the nature of my environment and so it's just fascinating because jose's family was telling him to assimilate right but then like our families they didn't have to question that to us because i think they thought like if we'll put you in this school with a bunch of other filipinos like you'll just learn from each other but then we still had the like dynamic of like still trying to be like american teens
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like uh with jose like the library is like his haven and um it really does help him like shape his american identity. He like gorges on all of these uh, yeah. american pop cultures. And um
1: well, especially like he got he was drawn to african american yeah. authors like um Toni Morrison. Tony Morrison and um James Baldwin. James Baldwin, yeah. And he he found that those stories like resonated more, like the stories from the margins. Mm-hmm. Um much more than like the the contemporary like like white authors like Faulkner and
0: I mean, he's not wrong. A lot of that stuff is so boring. It's like, yeah, yeah,
2: it's really, but it's
0: like so dry. I just think of it now, like the summer reading list I was given in high school and to like, look at what that is. (laughs) Like, why did I have to read this? It was so awful. But I realized like, For so long, the people in power were, like, these old white people who were, like, yes, you have to read Tess of D'Uberville's, like, like, yes, you have to read, uh, I don't know, something terrible. Like, Lord of the Flies. It's not terrible, but, you know, I get it. But, like, (laughs) there are other books out there where children are being terrible to each other. Like, I'm sure they would have been won by, like, a person of color who's an author.
2: (laughs) I mean, thankfully, right now, in the past, like, three, five years, like, children's literature has gotten... um, really diverse. Yeah. And not, not just diverse as in like people of color but also in sexuality and yeah. religion. I'm
0: so jealous when I see like what kids get to I read. know, right? Or young adults. Like I will just read them.
1: There's a whole genre of kids being terrible to each other. It's called dystopian YA fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right?
0: <laughs> like, I just... I feel i'm so jealous because like as an adult like i still will read ya even though and i used to get clowned for it but i was like screw you i want to read what you want i'm gonna read what i want no shame like i read um in grad school i had a vampire phase well because like it was really big at the time like the true blood series like charlene harris So I read all of that, and then I read Twilight simultaneously. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, they're stealing from each other. And then that led me to finding, um, I think her name is Melissa, Melissa De Los Santos or something like that. Like, she writes another vampire series, and she's this Filipino-American.
2: Is it? Oh, um, uh, De La Cruz. De La Cruz. De La Cruz. De La Cruz, yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we actually read her book, so- something in between, um, like, in our first Which year. Which is
1: about an undocumented. Right? Yeah, it's about
2: yeah. a Filipino-American.
0: Um, F- I never even read that. I just. Devoured the vampire story. Uh, like?
1: She has a series of um, Alexander Hamilton novels now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I saw that. I tried to get into that when I was into Hamilton, but I think I over Hamiltoned out. <laughs> um,
2: it's interesting how uh, Jose like turns to journalism because you know his grandparents are like, keep your head down, like yeah. you can't be noticeable, like yeah. otherwise you'll get caught. And he's and it's kind of like a form of rebellion in a way.
1: Well, because yeah, his grandparents. Subscribe to the quote-unquote plan, right? Which is keep your head down, work odd jobs, get married, then you can do whatever you want. Because then you get your green card and your citizenship, and then you're fine. Which is like
0: it's such a shitty plan. Like I, I, I was so frustrated with his (laughs) Lolo, like his grandpa, because it was like all you have to do is get married, all you have to do this, and I was like you. You fucked his life up so much by bringing him here. Like that's he can't that, even leave. He can't yeah. leave. And I, I hate, I hate that there are so many people like that. Like, um, my best friend uh, is in the same boat. And like, his whole family went to the Philippines to celebrate his, to celebrate his Lola's like ninetieth birthday at one <laughs> point, and he couldn't go. And I was so mad that he couldn't go. And there's so many like family things where they're like, Oh, we're all we're all gonna go here and it's like, No, but he has to stay and I'm like, you you did this, like, and I, and by you, I'm pointing at his like parents okay. and his, like,
2: like you did this, and, and like the really sad thing is that his grandparents could have adopted him, but they totally. didn't know about that. So yeah. it's like you missed a chance for like Jose to it, become an American citizen because
1: there's this myopia, like there's like there is a step by step process to become American if you're yeah. like like this, and it also shows how like arbitrary just like citizenship is because like yeah, if you come. When you're already a kid, you you're in this limbo status. But if you get born here accidentally, you're you get all the rights. Yeah, you know,
0: it's just um, it's just really frustrating when like other Asian Americans like they try to think like they say, they do the narrative of like I did it right, like I came here and I did this and I did that, and you did it wrong, so you deserve to you deserve to go go back. And it's kind of like. All these people who are saying like you did it wrong, like they were children when they came here. Yeah. Like you cannot put blame on a child. They they don't have any type of agency. They don't have any decision making process. Like he talks about how like a quote unquote uncle like takes him on a plane <laughs> yeah. and like he gets here and I literally was like, "Oh, that is he straight up was like with a coyote. Like that's what like immigrants like yeah. f- from like Mexico from like south of the border on they they use a coyote and like that dude was straight up coyote from the philippines
2: (laughs) yeah like when when i was reading part two uh part two is passing like he's talking about like how he has to compartmentalize so it's Mm -hmm. like these are the people who know about my undocumented status these are the people who know about like my queerness and then these are the people who don't know anything at all (laughs) And, and like towards the end of um part two like all of those uh all of those like subgroups of people that he has in his lives they like meld together and it's like yeah. this is this is who i am this is my entire entire identity yeah. and that's when uh that's that's like his 30th birthday yeah that's, and, and that's like shortly uh after he publicly uh i think
1: it was right before was it right before i think it was right before he publicly like he he released his um his new yorker piece like coming out his, his second coming out
2: Right.
1: Yeah. Um, as an undocumented um, immigrant.
2: I thought it was really heartbreaking when um, so he gets into the Washington Post and he, you know, he and his team, they win a Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. And this should be like like, you know, a celebration. Right. Like it's a it's like a really high achievement, uh, high achievement. Yeah. But then he's like he goes to the bathroom and starts crying because he realizes that now he's like. Super visible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's like no going back. Yeah, it's like he talks about how his like grandmother is like, "Why are you there?" <laughs> yeah, because
1: yeah. that's because in order to get that job at the post, he had to break the law. Right. Yeah. At that point, it was it was perjury. Right. It was just misrepresenting himself as he a citizen. He just lied about his yeah. status. That yeah. was, was
2: bone-chilling just reading that part where he was just like, oh, I had to mark that I was an American citizen because there was yeah. no option. And he asked the reader, like, which box would you choose? Yeah. What does it mean to be a citizen? Like, how do you earn your citizenship? Yeah, And I was like, you know, I, I t- don't know if I could do that. I would probably... I'm too scared. I would yeah, probably I work on
0: jobs. A lot of people end up doing it. And I, I feel like... Before, before the current administration, like I think there were a lot of people who were just marking yes, because the background checks that f- businesses would run were not as in depth as. As, or it as it is now. Like they are not like um, – I work at UCLA and like we have international students who are grad students and they have to do like I-20s to work on campus. And that is like – that's been a process that's been in place for years. Um, I'm sure it had a different name or a different title and whatnot. But like I really want to think that – in my head I think that you could have gotten a job if all you did was mark yes, you're a citizen because that's all they would ask you. Um, and my point of reference for this is – it's so, it's like, it's bizarre. But I, in college, I went to UC Irvine and we would go to San Diego and we would go to TJ because that is what you do, right? You mm-hmm. go to TJ. Um, and the, when you come back from Mexico to, the, to America, to the California, all I ask you is, what is your country of or, or citizenship? And you're supposed to say U.S. citizen. And then you would walk through. You just needed your driver's license. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was a long time ago. Um, and my friend was not a U.S. citizen. She was a permanent resident. And she was a Philippine citizen. So when they asked her the question, she said, Philippines. And they were like, well, what are you doing here? And they they didn't let her cross. And um, I panicked because I was like, oh, shit, my friend's going to get stuck in Mexico. What do we do? Um, but then they just went back. My my one, one of our other friends went back in the line with her. So like crossed back to Mexico. And then they told her, just put your hair up and then we'll figure something out like to make her look different and go into a different line. And so when they asked the question, what country are you citizen from? She said, U.S. And then she just walked right through. There was no check because they didn't check your passport at the time. They just believed you like, yeah. oh, you're just another drunk college student who's coming back from TJ. It's fine. <laughs> and they got through. And I'm like, that was in 2002 maybe? 2001? Mm. So like, it, I think it was, like, pre nine eleven. That's when a lot of okay.
1: this happened. Yeah. And I feel like because he lied to pursue his dream job and was good at it and he got such a high profile, that when he finally did come out as undocumented, he was able to do more with it, right? Because if he had just stayed low... And like even if he never even if he got into advocacy, he wouldn't have had like the impact that he did right yeah. like it, it even though um there were people who like doubted his intentions right
2: yeah like that was yeah. that was like really hard to read where mm-hmm. uh he's like recounting all of these events that he's speaking at and then uh, people who are supposed to be on the same side as him when it comes to like immigration uh, <laughs> immigration rights they're just like you're just trying to take advantage or you came too late what are what are your motives and it's just like wow we're really divided <laughs> like, yeah. we're supposed to all like kind of team up for this.
0: So they actually talked about that um, with us and he said that there were a lot of people who were saying like you are taking away from you're taking the money away from what the from the undocumented like um, fundraising and what not. And he, he never wanted it to make it about him, which is why he created Define American, which I really am like, that's an awe of like, oh, you know, I'm going to create this like, nonprofit to um, advocate for undocumented people. Um, but it was so beneficial to continue the narrative that undocumented immigrants, undocumented citizens were simply all like a monolith of Latino people, right? Like Mm -hmm. It was just, it was easy. It was an easier sell, apparently, for funders. But like, Jose being Jose (laughs) obviously (laughs) defeats that. (laughs) Like, he's not Latino. His name may sound it, but he's not, you know? He's Filipino-American. And, um... There are so many of us who are in his in his shoes, so it's just it's interesting that he had to. I feel like it's like a it's very much like a Asian American story in that like our our need to be accounted for, our need to be seen, even in the margins, Mm -hmm.
2: is always going to be a struggle. Yeah. So, like towards the end of the book, he gets detained in uh, Texas. And yeah,
1: that was. Another, I feel like he keeps like getting taken places where people don't realize. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe yes. maybe he shouldn't.
2: Like that one friend who was just like, "Oh my god, I forgot that you like didn't you you have DACA." Do and I was just like, "What?" <laughs> That's like the first thing I would
0: check. Yeah, like, it, it it's obvious to like our privilege as citizens, right? Yeah. That like you we don't have to have those considerations for yeah. our peers.
1: It was amusing to read how like ice did not know what to do with him like he kept putting him in solitary back in the kid tank back in solitary
2: well that was mainly because uh there were reporters visiting
1: yeah uh, that camp and
2: that's why like they kept moving him out because they they
1: didn't want him to to show him (laughs) and just like the um the the ambivalence of the ice agents too
0: yeah it's just a testament to that like government bureaucracy (laughs) is not going to be efficient anywhere
1: yeah
2: yeah, I mean like at some point Jose says like, oh, like our immigration system is not broken. It's just always been this way. It's yeah. always been a way for us to get cheap labor. Yes. And you know, that was that was really shocking to me. I was like, Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, That's true. That's
1: but like, well, Yeah, well what really sucked about that part was just um the kid that like was telling him that he was scared he didn't know that was what the kid was saying to like later on yeah. like right now there's still like what tens of thousands of kids like separated from their parents in the border mm-hmm. and like yeah it's probably terrifying for all yeah. of them you know no like t- our government is totally traumatized like, these <laughs> children
2: i can't i can't like imagine what those kids are thinking about they're probably mm-hmm. thinking about like their parents have abandoned them like why did they uh bring us here if, yeah like if it yeah. was uh, no, if they're going to like put us in jail And, you know, like, I think a lot of Americans, they don't understand, like, how difficult it is to get into this country and the circumstances of, like, why would someone risk it all to get here? It's because it's so bad where they come from that they would come over here.
1: And, I mean, he illustrates that well with, um, like... He's talking about all the speaking engagements he goes to, and all the pushback he gets from people. Who are like, why don't you just come? like like he said, like, why don't you just come the right way? And he's like, there is no right way. There's I no have line. no way. There is no line. Yeah, I yeah. feel.
0: Yeah, that's the key part. There is no line, and yeah. that's like the the point that I think. Like, the privilege of folks who don't have – who don't have to worry about citizenship, who don't understand, like, how ridiculous it is to become a citizen. Like, it's so easy to, like, brush it off and be, like, get in line. But there is no line. And, um, he, like, a person like Jose is, like, so high profile enough. Like, he just literally would need a pardon. I doubt that would happen here. And, like, I – it infuriates me like the discussion about like the uh, children and whatnot and like the migrant caravan aka the asylum seekers because that's really what they are Mm -hmm. because the only reason why those people are coming to our border is because their countries are so fucked up that they need to come to another place and their countries are so fucked up because of us because of America like let's just be bottom line real and um, when Trump is all, like talking about like MS-13 and like El Salvadorian immigrants and how they're like all illegal and causing crime I want to be like I want to yell to the rooftops like the reason why El Salvador is fucked is because America fucked it up that's the reason why everyone is here and so it's like look in the goddamn mirror <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like our government's fault is here like Jose Antonio Vargas is here because his family wanted a better life. My family is here because martial law screwed everyone over and they, need, they saw the writing on the wall that the four to one ratio from pesos to dollars was not going to hold and to this day it's true because it's like 45 to one now mm-hmm. um if my parents had stayed in the philippines they probably would have stayed middle class but they still would have been poor like at the end of the date that's what it was yeah. so coming to this country was was the only out for my middle class grandparents
1: yeah and that was i mean that's the promise that's like Yes. Again, that's the sales pitch America makes to wherever Absolutely. it goes. It's like, we gotta get here. You guys should come. But not really, because we don't want you here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we can end this um, this discussion by just trying to answer um, Jose's question, like, what is American? How do you define being an American? Because is it, you know, people want to do it legally, but it's also cultural, and it's also like, for some people, it might be ethnic. Yeah. Like, how do you define what American is? But Personally, i I think I'm American culturally, even though legally I'm Canadian and ethnically I'm Chinese. Right? If you put me in a room full of other Americans, you can tell me apart.
0: I would answer that question with another book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you're asking like what who who and what is an American, I would say folks should read America Forever's book, American Like Me, Mm -hmm. um, because it is an essay compilation of thirty one. Americans, um, which are people of color and they're queer and they're trans, one of which was Gina Rosero. So she's another Filipino American um, who author and activist. And I think that explains who what it means to be an American. Like being an American is not a monolith. It is not being I feel like people of color or immigrants, immigrants like to say, oh, you are you are Korean, and then you're American. And American automatically means white. Like, that is going to be... You are Taiwanese, and then you're American. American means white. And it's like, our immigrant parents need to just, like, throw that out the window and just be like, yo, I'm American too. <laughs> like, I've been yeah. in this
2: country for 20, 30 years. This is mine. I'm here. <laughs> uh, for me, I I'm not really sure how to... Define what American is, because legally my my mother is American. She has an American <laughs> passport, but the thing is, she doesn't she doesn't vote. Even though I yell at her <laughs> to vote, uh, she doesn't speak English and she doesn't participate in anything really. Uh, mm outside of her Korean-American bubble. So it's hard for me to define, like, what is American when she technically is legally American, but she doesn't do anything that is, quote-unquote, American.
1: And isn't that just so American, though? I think
2: that's American (laughs) in itself. (laughs) I know. It's, it's like, really hard to define what is American. So, like, I don't know. I guess, to me, it's just, like, are you participating in this culture? Are you... creating some kind of dialogue like Like, the phrase
0: is as as american as apple pie because we are sold that like um, apple pie is american but like
2: apple pie isn't american
0: it's not it's dutch (laughs) (laughs) but like like for me i'm like as much as everyone says like we are america like i would actually say like i'm from la like for me to be an angelino to be a californian like I'm as I'm made up of the culture I grew up in, so I'm full of like I'm full of tacos and pizza (laughs) and Korean barbecue and um, what else do you grow up with? And like Filipino point point greasy food that you shouldn't eat, like everything that gives you high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Because fuck a salad, who wants to eat kale? That's what like white people eat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's the power to define it yourself, right? Yes. I mean throughout the entire book, Jose is pretty much talking about how, how much American he is, you know, how he, he was able to uh, pull himself off his bootstraps. He was able to find his calling and do really well in it and use his power to, like, bring value to society as a whole. And the only thing that's keeping him from being a full American is just these rules that were set by people who didn't fully understand the ramifications of what they were going to do, you know. The holdover of the Clinton administration, the Bush yeah. administration, the Obama administration... And how the Trump administration? Yeah, yeah.
2: I also don't like how there's this narrative of like, oh, the good, the good immigrant mm. and the bad immigrant. Yeah, like you, you deserve your citizenship if you got like a 4.0 GPA and like you're <laughs> doing yeah. all of these things to better society. Yeah. I feel like if, like, if you immigrated here, you deserve yeah. a chance to become yeah. a citizen, just like yeah. anybody who is high achieving,
1: especially if you're paying into the system, right? Yeah.
2: Like, because it, it's so easy to say that, like, you
0: are valued because you are high achieving. Like, no, the stoner who likes to, like, just play video games and be on the couch, it deserves, like, treat to be treated like a human being and given citizenship, <laughs> just as much as that high achieving person who went off to be, like, a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. Because truth be told, that doctor, lawyer, engineer probably wishes they could be that stoner, like, on the couch <laughs> doing nothing.
2: <laughs> and also, like, just, like, the term immigrants, like... Like before, like I, I don't I don't know like what time period it is, but like immigrants were described as like Irish and Italian, yes. like <laughs> they weren't deemed as white until like much much later. Until it was
0: beneficial for yeah, them until to it be was white. Beneficial
2: for them. So, like immigrant is, yeah, it's not a monolith. Ameri- yeah. Like being American is not monolith. Um, America was built on like built on the shoulders of immigrants so yeah. it's really hard to like yeah you know like divide those two words i think <laughs> american immigrant yeah kind of yeah. the same thing at this point there's a <laughs> lot of
0: people who have seemed to have forgotten
1: it and they're mostly white
0: and they think that they deserve this country because god <laughs> deemed it to
1: them and you know while i enjoy dunking on white people um <laughs> the fact is also like jose couldn't have gotten as far as he did without the support of like white people who oh, like yeah. get it who like
2: who use their privilege yeah. to yeah. help other people yeah
1: whatever the reason for their intention is like if it wasn't for them he wouldn't have be able to get as far you, you just need to
2: have
0: allies like yeah. you know mr rogers says like in times of need always <laughs> go to the helpers right and like yeah that is just that's just like code for like everyday living <laughs> like don't be a dick and like
1: yeah because at the end i think most people want to see the people around them succeed. Right. Yeah. There's nothing worse than see someone not be able to reach their full potential because of like a rule or like yeah. a, a regulation. There. Or-
0: I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of the cartoon villainy stems from like insecurity in a lot of people, and mm. like it's just when you step on people that way or like try to put a push upon values on like others, it's just because there's some like matter of insecurity in yourself that you do not understand or cannot comprehend or cannot deal with. Yeah.
2: Also, people who say like Im- like undocumented citizens are uh, dangerous because they came into the country illegally. I just want to say there are a lot of white people who are like shooting, <laughs> <laughs> shooting up places, and I think that is more dangerous yeah. than yes. uh, people crossing the border. So yeah, and they don't cross the
0: border like they're not just walking either. They're yeah, taking they're planes. Not- <laughs> so excuse me if I'm like, hey, they paid for like thousand dollar plane tickets to get here. <laughs> Treat them nice. Treat them yeah. with respect.
1: And something that Jose does with his book, is, does with his movement too, and his his organization is put a like a face in the story on the undocumented. Yes, and because oh, like when it's a faceless mob, you can like you can dehumanize them, but when they're like a person with like goals and agency and achievements and dreams, it's a lot harder to look away. Yeah,
0: right. I think you just have to put put a uh, personalize the narrative. Yeah. And that's what Jose's book does. Um, It creates the story where being undocumented is not like, you know, that Mexican dishwasher who's like working for pennies because you want to exploit them. Hmm. He's a high achieving Pulitzer Prize winning journalist (laughs) from the Washington Post. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I love how so much of a star is just like him doing the exact opposite of what like yeah. a rational person would probably do. Like, you want to go into Washington, D.C.?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you want to go to the White House? You want to testify I, gonna in Congress? I'm going to guess that his
2: Hogwarts house is Gryffindor. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's brave enough to do any of those things. <laughs> screw, <And> the, <laughs> screw the consequences. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, Elaine, thanks so much for joining us to discuss Um Dear America by Jose Antonio Vargas. Thank you. Uh, it's been great chatting with you.
2: This is this is a very interesting day to record this episode.
1: Yeah, we're recording on election day twenty eighteen. <laughs> we we
2: haven't checked the status in like an hour or Rira's so. We very
1: curious about her hometown.
2: I, I am. I'm from that county. Or I'm from like the county next to that county. So I really Which county is it? Um so Gwinnett County has like a whole bunch of um voting issues going on like their machines are down Is that
0: the one with like, only like 3 machines for like
2: Yeah, yeah, but like, for like all those So I'm like, from Fulton County and it's like right next to Gwinnett County and in Fulton, Georgia. Yeah, and Fulton County is going through some shit too. So it's like, "Oh my god, you guys are the most progressive counties." <laughs> it's like we need those votes. More than like 50% of those counties are like people of color, so yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah. by the time you listen to this, we'd already figure out what's what went down. But uh, we are there's some there's some butterflies in the stomach here, yeah. here in the studio. I just uh, remember
2: like, like the last election, <laughs> like it was very depressing. Just drank like three bottles of mm. wine, yeah, <laughs> and just cried in my car. So I do think like we took the house. Uh, Hopefully, the, yeah. Cool. yeah.
1: Well, Rira. Yes. What are we reading for the month of November?
2: We are reading Joe Ide's IQ, and if you like detective mystery novels, this this is a pretty good book. I'm so. excited.
1: So this is like this is also like the origin story of this so the series, right? Yes. So yeah, cool. excited to go back to some crime genre fiction. Uh, Elaine, yes. if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go?
0: You can find um, This Philippine American Life on Facebook if you search that. We are at T-F-A-L, at T-F-A-L podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Just follow us there. We have really cool shirts that represent various (laughs) cities um, like Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco, uh, Seattle, Chicago, New York. And I can't remember (laughs) but I'm pretty sure there are. Um, But yeah, buy those because that's where Filipinos live and the shirts are really cool.
1: Awesome check it out uh special thanks to music communications for letting us record we are recording this in the potluck podcast studios within the offices of music communications they are a nonprofit media organization that supports aapi filmmakers and media artists through um, programs such as the armed with the camera fellowship and the los angeles asian pacific film festival find out more about the programs by the to bconline.org um follow us at Books and Boba on Twitter um, Booksandboba.com and also join our Goodreads group to discuss more about this book and other books that we read as well as share some book news and announcements. Um, Just go to Goodreads.com and search Books and Boba. And finally, thank you to the Potluck Podcast Collective um, for having us be a part of their uh, Cooperative on um, The Potluck Podcast Collective is a collective of Asian American Hosted podcasts featuring unique words and stories From the Asian American community um, Check out some of our other great shows Just they call us Bruce um, The Collabcast Saturday School and more uh, You can find out all of our programs By going to www.podcastpotluck.com And that'll do it. Thanks for joining us. And yeah, please, um, if you have any more thoughts about the book uh, and about the issues raised by the book, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on our Goodreads bar. So uh, be sure to check it out. And until next time, thanks for listening.